Welcome back to the Grey Matter Podcast. You're with your host, Nick, and I've got Rod back in the building today. Howdy, Rod. Oh, what a wonderful day to be back with you, Nick. It's a bright, sunny day outside where I can see out the window here and we're stuck inside, Rod. What's that about? <laughs> How wonderful it is to be in the, in the middle of winter in this wonderful, wonderful Brisbane weather. <laughs> Rod, obviously the topic that everyone is talking about at the moment is coronavirus and its impacts on the economy, the workplace, and of course society in general. And we want to make it very clear that we don't want to add to the noise that's out there, because there's plenty of that at the moment. We want to come at this, as always on the Grey Matter Podcast, from a very practical and action oriented lens. So what we're going to talk to everyone about in this episode is how we can go about re-energizing your team and the people around you. For some of you, that's going to be virtually and some of you that might be in person. Now, word of warning towards the back end of the episode, unfortunately, the audio does become a little bit distorted. Rod starts to sound a bit like a robot, but anyway, let's crack into the episode. So, Rod, we've got you back in the building today to explore the link between this particular topic and the coaching resilience for accountability program that you deliver, where you're teaching managers and leaders how to coach resilience in their team. And a piece of this is around keeping the energy and engagement of the team high. Mm. And of course, when it lags, how to re-energize and re-engage the team. Yes, a crucial part for resilience in terms of energy, in terms of engagement, in terms of commitment to the team, the work that the team is doing and so on. Yes, you're absolutely right. Mm. And leaders have a great deal of leverage and a great deal of power and a great deal of influence in this area. And that's the good news. So, I mean, let's take this whole terrible situation that we're in right now with COVID. and mm. It's timely, the, really, isn't it? And the way, yeah, I mean, a few days ago, a few weeks ago, we were coming out of this, one of the few countries in the world that's through this island that we have, we, we are ahead, we, we, we've got it under control, and now all of a sudden areas are back in lockdown the government is extending various programs, JobKeeper, JobSeeker, and so on, to the, till December, for goodness sake. And all of a sudden, do we have to do this for until December? Whereas, you know, mm. we were thinking just a few weeks ago that it was the end. And then, of course, some of us are obviously back in lockdown. And, of course, then others are worried that we're going to go back into yep. it. So, I mean, there's probably a fair reason why the energy levels might be down and engagement levels might be down in our teams at the moment. Absolutely. And of course, it's the end of the financial year. Well, we've just had it. And, you know, perhaps that's a good place to start is at the end of the financial year and at the end of other points of break in the year, the end of the calendar year, um, perhaps the end of a quarter. You know, it's so necessary to pause and to bask in the glory of actually winning in the ward of being the best team, of celebrating, if nothing else, we've come through to the end of the quarter unscathed, the end of the 90 days, we've made it. Celebrate it and take the next uh, step towards now going into the next phrase. And perhaps the way to formally do this is to sit down and briefly identify what worked and what didn't work. 
what were our successes that we want to replicate and what are the problems that we've identified that we need to change going into the next financial year, 90 days, uh, the next session that we have, hmm. so that there's just not one day after another day in lockdown, in working from home with all the drama and the days I've heard comments run into each other one day after the other. I don't know if it's 10 o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the afternoon. The only reason I know that is if the kids are crying at home, then I know they're at home. They're kind of, we, we've lost some of the signposts that we used to have. And if that is the case, really the leader's role is to help the team re-energize and lift themselves up to see the process that they're involved in, the 90-day, the, the, the one year, the end of the financial year, and to have a process view rather than a day-to-day -day activity view. And I think a really important piece that you said there, Rod, was the acknowledgement of successes. Mm. We sort of had lockdown as a big part of the last quarter there, of the last financial year. For a lot of organisations, it was the entire quarter. And acknowledging that we made it through yep. that 90 days. And how wonderful that is. Mm. And how unexpected and how quick Mm. And how, relatively speaking, amazingly hassle-free that's been. Mm. And, and we're perhaps not looking back. And a year ago, if we had said to the organization that you're in, is it possible that everyone acted from home and social distancing and all that other stuff the way it did so quickly, so effortlessly, in actual fact, despite the hassles, but actually to so if was it possible? Everyone would have said, no, I've got that comment so frequently mm, from mm. the people that I interact with. It was absolutely impossible, and we did it in three weeks. Mm. And look at where we are. So I think that celebration, you're absolutely right, is, is really important. And perhaps that brings me to the next point, is in re-energizing, for goodness sake, what about asking your team? What about saying to the team, how do we celebrate success? What would you like? How should we um, celebrate with parameters? So the parameters are financial. The parameters are physical. The parameters are social distancing. The parameters are the time and so on and, and kids and so on. What, whatever the uh, parameters are, let's talk about the parameters and get the team involved. Mm. Different teams with different levels of maturity will have different responses, but it's very respectful to at least ask people mm. what they think. And a piece of that's probably allowing them to feel heard and yes. listened to. Correct. Correct. Absolutely correct, which, of course, is one of the three things that, that we try very hard to propagate and to have in all our programs. Mm. Another thing is let's say there's been a big restructuring. Let's say there has been people who have lost their roles and there's been people that have left or are in the process of leaving. One of the crucial things here in terms of re-energizing and keeping the engagement high is to acknowledge the loss and to respect grieving. People grieve. A child will grieve about its pet that has died. An adult will grieve about the pet that has died. And so for someone to lose their role and not be working besides you is absolutely, from a human point of view, a reason to grieve. And we all know about grief. It takes as long as it takes. You can't rush it. 
you need to respect it. We know that about death and dying, but people losing their roles and having a different work environment Mm. uh, uh, and social work environment thrust on you through the COVID, through working from home, through people losing their roles, is it's, it's appropriate to respect that. And a way that a leader can actually do that is, let's say people have gone, to actually talk through, has anyone heard about how person X is doing? I've heard that they've actually got another role. I've heard that other person Y has actually decided to change roles and is now going into a not-for-profit and doing this, and I met the person and they're doing very well. And how nice to be able to celebrate how well people are doing rather than have it as a something you can't talk about because you don't want to have non-discussables in a mm. team. That's just awful. So to discuss things that are awkward is appropriate, particularly how people feel that they have survived and other people haven't. And to talk through that, sometimes it might be appropriate to, to only do that one-on-one, but sometimes to actually raise it in the group and to say, I've spoken to some of the people without mentioning the individuals about how it's impacted us as a team with, you know, we used to be 10 people and now we eight, or or we used to have Johnny working with us and Johnny's gone, uh, and to actually acknowledge it and talk through, that's being respectful to where people are at. Mm. Another uh, point would be to identify purpose. And this is perhaps the most powerful suggestion, or (laughs) perhaps not a powerful suggestion, it is a suggestion with the most powerful impact, (laughs) is to identify the purpose of the team and to remind people of the, the higher purpose of the team. So you might have a sales team that's dealing with telesales calls coming in, clients complaining, and so on. And you might say, well, what's the higher purpose of this? The higher purpose is to make the shareholders money. Well, no, that's the ultimate purpose of the organization. The higher purpose is perhaps to help people who are calling in, who are angry and frustrated with technology that's not working or an accounts billing that's got screwed up or a claim that has been rejected, It's to help people at a time when they're really vulnerable or emotional deal with things and you are showing huge respect by meeting people where they are and helping them. Where this comes from is in another life. I worked at a large insurance company and the claims people were really, they had a a reputation for becoming arrogant uncaring, bureaucratic in their systems approach to the claim and the rejection or the claim and the acceptance. And they had a, and the organization was getting a very bad reputation. Hmm. And the solution of which there were many tried with various degrees of success, the most successful was to film, to get a video made of a claimant and the reason for their claim, their circumstance and how it was handled, the one handled poorly, and the claimant actually, there was a reenactment of the claimant going to make a claim, and one that was handled well. And when in a workshop this was explained to people, there were tears 
and people were saying, I can see myself being bureaucratic and turning people away and saying, unless you had this document filled in in this particular way, well, of course, we're going to reject your claim and being very unfeeling. And it was the, it was the change in behavior when people clicked that the fulfillment of my role impacts people on a personal level. Mm. And that enabled a huge leap in the engagement score, which was reflected ultimately very quickly in the company's reputation, mm. which funnily enough then led to more money and led because it was market share based. So they um, didn't realize the impact that they were having, the wider impact on, they just thought they were in there doing a role and this is the parameters I need to work within and if they don't have this, they don't have this, and that's all black and white and very unemotional, like you were saying. Yeah. So, so it took so, that for them to realise. Yeah. Interesting. And, and and the trick then from a leader perspective is, you know, I work in the mining industry, I work in the petrochemical industry. You know, my little team does this and this and this. What is the purpose? Find a purpose for your team that is higher than producing widgets or service or outcomes or interdependencies, fulfilling interdependencies of other teams. Find a higher level purpose and harp on that for the team. And it may at, at worst, at very worst, be I want to do the, our team, if we do our best, enables other people to have less hassles in their job at the minimum. Hopefully you can actually find other reasons, higher order reasons for doing what the team does in the best possible way. There's certainly a lot of opinion out there that perhaps that exact point of, you know, working for a higher purpose or a better social purpose is going to be something that's a fair few people in the marketplace are going to realise is a bit more important for them. So, I mean, you, you even take a salesperson working, selling shoes at a large shoe outlet. And, you know, what is the purpose of the job? Well, the purpose of the job is to sell shoes. And and, make money. And make money. And if the person does it well, well, they become top of the pops. They can get a free pair of shoes. They can get a bonus. bonus. They Mm. can get more money. They Mm -hmm. can get some points. And and that's one motivation. But a better motivation or another motivation, perhaps a deeper motivation for the whole team is imagine – the team being totally motivated to not only sell and sell well, but to sell appropriately the best possible shoes for the best money, for the best solution for the runners that come in to buy those shoes. Mm. And if the team can be really motivated by our job is to make money and so on, because boy, we need money. But at the same time, from a customer point of view, We want people to walk out knowing that their particular needs in terms of injuries and pronation and intonation and all these things, they were taken professionally taken care of. They were really looked at. They they felt special. They felt listened to. Mm. The, The salesperson actually said, this pair is more expensive but I don't think it does the it does a good as job as this less expensive pair. Mm. Now, if, when a salesman says that, I'm sure that the person says, "Oh my word, I'm being heard." Yeah, I'm and they respected. have my best interests. They so. have my best interests, mm. and so even so, things like that are so simple, and it's in addition to 
and we must earn money. And if mm. you do the most sales, you'll get the award. And perhaps they're actually intimately linked. Because it's – okay, so two things there. One, money generally is a poor motivator. Two, that's one of the biggest problems with frontline retail workers and their managers – one of the biggest issues for them is getting the engagement and high level thinking in their team because you've generally in Australian retail you've got younger uh, a younger demographic working in stores generally they perhaps might have a lot more going on in their lives university and those sorts of things that are consuming a lot of their time and headspace and getting that engagement to be honest, getting them to care more yes. about their job yes. and what they're doing yes. and the fact that they are actually helping people. Yes. They they actually are not really tasked with selling shoes as much as creating a relationship with their customer. Right. And customers. Yes. Getting that piece is one of the biggest bugbears of the Australian frontline retail workers uh, and their managers. Yep. So it's an interesting point that you bring up, Rod, and it's one that – you know, everyone would have had an experience walking into a retail store. Everyone would have had a bad experience before with someone who didn't really care about them. They know that they weren't really being listened to. They might have been listening, but they weren't listening to hear. Yes. They were listening, going, I know what I'm going to say next to sell them this particular shoe. Right. People know they've had these experiences. Yeah. But I can guarantee that there are people listening that have had the experience of walking in and, like you said, really feeling heard really feeling like there's actually a relationship outside of you're just trying to sell me a yep. pair of shoes. Yep. And the funny thing is, I, <clears throat> as you know, Nick, I've run for many, many years in my life and uh, I have never sold shoes, but I have bought on average two pairs of shoes for about 25 years. Don't tell my wife, don't tell my wife. <laughs> every year, uh, is, every that year, is. Yes, yes, every yes, year, yes, two sh- shoes. Yes, yes, yes. But I, let's move on quickly. Very good. And... Um, <laughs> Well, they wear out, you know. They wear out after you've done well, about eleven hundred kilometres on a shoe. When you <laughs> run ultra marathons and marathons like you have, Rod, of course they're wearing out. The funny thing is that once you find a shoe person who understands and listens, they're not going to remember you the next time. They didn't remember me every six to nine months that I walk into a shoe shop. But if I knew who would listen to me, I would wait in a queue for that person to finish with another person, even though there's another store, uh, a salesperson adjacent to that person who's free, say, no, no, I'm waiting for Terry. Then no, no, it's fine, fine, but don't worry, I'm just, I'll just wait for mm. Terry. Mm. And then Terry would sit down. And it's the same with your doctor. It's the same with your lawyer. It's the same with your, you know, any kind of retail situation it's the person that listens and connects and ultimately has a higher reason for doing the job that they're doing Mm. Mm. very interesting rod and i think before we move on to the next point that you're you're not going in there to buy the best brand and style of shoe because that's the shoe you want you're going in there to buy from the person that you enjoy yes who who will solve a problem with me who will solve your problem yeah because you know Yes. Yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah. And perhaps the next point relates to this, the next idea, is to tell positive stories of people's success. So the leader, the skilled leader, will at the team meeting regularly 
tell stories that boast of other people's so success. And so for the leader to be able to say, I just want to tell the team something that Janet did. Janet had the situation where, and, she, and he then talks through Janet's situation, the, the circumstances, how awful it was, or the, or the uh, opportunity she saw, the action she took, mm. and the outcome for the customer or for the team or for the process, and ultimately for the organization at a whole. So telling stories to boast, as a leader to boast, boasting is good when it's the story of one of your people. And when the team, team leaders go and meet with their other team leaders, how good would it be if the senior team leader said to the sub-team leaders, before we start, can each of you just tell me about an example that you're particularly proud of in your team mm. of where someone did something that you really would like us to hear about? Mm. And how wonderful for the team leader to say, I'd like to talk about Janet. I've told my team about this, but you know what Janet did? Da, 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 and explain and then go back to Janet and say to Janet, oh, by the way, just, just so that you know, I told all my other colleagues, plus the big boss, how nice that would be. So telling positive mm -hmm. stories of people's success is really important. And related to that, giving recognition to people is important, but not just well done. You were the top of the sales. That's one level of, of recognition. To give recognition that says, well done, you were top of the sales. And what I really appreciate about you is you listen. I can see that you listen. Or, well done, you top of the sales. And I can see that your project planning is at a really, really high level. And that enables you to achieve what you're achieving. So process-focused recognition is around giving recognition not so much about the outcome, but about the way the outcome was achieved. Mm. Process re recognition goes beyond you're good, you're clever, to this is what I want you to do more of. Mm. So if I say, Nick, well done, you became the top salesperson, that's nice and good recognition. If I say, I appreciate the way that you persisted with that difficult situation, that difficult project, the way that you got in people from outside our department, I think that was the breakthrough that enabled you to achieve what you achieved. You're actually recognizing what you want to achieve more of. Perhaps the last one from my side is to work with strengths, individual strengths of the people and the team strengths, and to focus on what do we do well. It relates back to, in a way, what is the purpose that we have and how do we fulfill our purpose. If you've worked on that, um, the higher order of the work that we do, then a subset that you can work on is what do we do particularly well to fulfill our work? Is it, mm. is it that we're diligent? Is it that we cooperate? Is it that we work well together? Is it that if one of us is suffering, we pick up the slack of our other team members? What is it that we would like to recognize and to do more of? So that's 
team strengths and individual strengths. What are our individual strengths and what, how do we recognize them? And, and there's several team strength questionnaires, some free that you can do, that look at what are the team's strengths and individual strengths. And to go around and, uh, every meeting and just talk about a person and the strengths that they bring to the team and what we appreciate. Not what we don't appreciate, that's a different conversation, uh, but what we appreciate. Very good, Ron. I feel like we covered a fair bit in this one. <laughs> we have. <laughs> Thank you, Rod, again for coming in. Thank you. Cheers, Nick. And for our listeners, we'll see you next time on the Grey Matter Podcast. Mm-hmm.